Amen. Thank you. That is Jennifer Resendez, accompanied by Georgia Cornegate. Beautiful prayer with all my heart. Turn with me, James chapter 3. We will look at verses 8 through 12 this morning. James chapter 3, verses 8 through 12. This morning we begin an eight-week sermon series entitled Asking for a Friend. We're looking at eight different questions during these eight weeks. Some people may want to know the answers to, but maybe they didn't want to ask. Practical questions about God or life or church or, or living the Christian life or, or things like that. Next Sunday, we're answering the question, is it, is it wrong to drink alcohol, even socially, or even, is it wrong to even take a drink of alcohol? The Bible talks a lot about alcohol. We'll talk about that next Sunday morning. This morning, we're talking about the topic of cursing. Is it really that wrong to say a curse word? Is it a sin to say a curse word? Something happens, you slip, a curse word comes out, you accidentally curse it that you don't mean to. Is it really that bad? I mean, it's not going to send you to hell, right? Does it make you a bad person? Somebody cuts you off in traffic, you hang your toe on the door facing, you step on a Lego in the middle of the night, boy, that'll do it. Does that really make you a bad person for something to slip and come out and you say a four-letter word? In Christian circles, so many uh, Christians today, cursing has become commonplace. In fact, it is seen uh, as, as a badge of honor by some believers. Yeah, I, I curse. You know, I'm not legalistic. I'm not one of those legalistic Christians. Some studies say that it's actually good for you to curse. Gets out tension and relieves anxiety. Is that right? There's a book entitled Sham Pearls for Real Swine written by Frankie Schaefer several years ago. In chapter 7 of the book, he said, Cursing is simply artistic expression. And he says it's not wrong. He said, if you oppose cursing, you are being, quote, anti-intellectual. Is that true? So that topic, this topic is what we're going to look at closely this morning. And, and I want us to begin with our text in James 3 and hear the words of Jesus' half-brother, James. Uh, of course, they had the same mothers. They had different fathers. Half-brothers. Listen to a man who grew up for 30 years in the same house as Jesus. Verse 8. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our God and Father, and with it, we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Thus, no spring yields both salt water and fresh. 
This morning, I want us to look at our outline and go through our outline and answering our question. Letter A on there, first of all, is the text. I want us to look more, a little more closely at James 3, 8 through 12. In verse 8, James said, no man can tame the tongue. Verse 9, he said, with the tongue, people bless God and curse men. Same tongue. Sing praises on Sunday, Monday through Saturday, they curse. You may be surprised, we probably all would be surprised, how some members of our church talk Monday through Saturday. It's easy to stand and use the tongue to praise, like today. You'd probably be surprised at some of our members words they use during the week. Verse 10, James says, out of the same mouth blessing and cursing come. And then the last statement is, brothers, these things ought not to be. So that answers the question, is it merely artistic expression? James said no. He said it shouldn't happen. And then, verse 11, he gives us three analogies. All from nature. The analogy of a fountain, the analogy of a tree or a vine, and the analogy of the ocean. Listen to what he said. He said, concerning a fountain, bitter water and sweet water do not come out of the same fountain. You have a natural spring that flows. You may have bitter water, you may have sweet water, you're not going to have both at the same fountain. Concerning a tree or a vine, he said that figs do not produce olives, and olives do not produce figs. So if you have a fig tree, what it produces will be figs. If you have an olive tree, what it produces will be olives. But you never see the two mixed. The ocean. He said you have salt water, but you never see salt water and fresh water together in the ocean. So here's what James is saying. In nature, you never see an item full of one thing producing another. As a Christian, James would say, you never see someone full of Jesus that produces profanity. If you're full of one thing, you don't produce something different. Dr. Timothy B.J., you'll see his picture here on the screen. He's professor of psychology emeritus at the Massachusetts College of Liberal Arts. Not a believer, but he, he has done research in children and swearing. He said children usually learn to curse before they learn their alphabet. He said a lot of parents find it funny, humorous. But Dr. J. doesn't. He said, most children learn one curse word by the time they're two. Most of them learn multiple curse words between the ages of three and four. And most of them learn a curse word before they learn their alphabet. Dr. John Gottman, not a believer either, 
secular psychologist. He has done some, some fascinating studies, extensive study in, in husband and wife relationships and divorce. And Dr. Gottman says, you can predict which couples are most likely to divorce based on the number of four-letter words used in their home. The more four-letter words used, the more likely they'll divorce. He's got the research to back it up. And he said, couples, whenever they argue, if four-letter words are used back and forth, the predictor of divorce goes even higher. So, folks, cursing may not be as harmless as you think. Let's look at letter B and considerations. Other considerations. Five questions about cursing I want us to ask. First question. Is cursing really that bad? Number one, is cursing really that bad? I mean, it's, it's a word. I didn't kill anybody. I'm not committing adultery. It's a word. Is it really that bad? Well, listen to what Paul wrote, Ephesians 4.29. He said, let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth, but that which is edifying come out, that you may impart grace to the hearers. He said, do not let corrupt communication come out of your mouth. The word corrupt that he uses there is the word sapros in Greek. Literally means rotten meat or spoiled fruit of poor quality, not fit for use. That's the word he describes to say, do not let rotten words or spoiled words come out of your mouths. You ever gone somewhere, you, maybe vacation, and you come back and fruit has spoiled or meat has spoiled, and you open the door, you go, oh my goodness, Whoo, smell that. And what he's saying is, sometimes when people talk, that's the rottenness comes out. Have you ever met someone and their language is filthy and it colors how you see them? I met a young lady a couple years ago. I don't even remember where it was. Someone, I think one of our members introduced me. She looked like she had it together. She's attractive. She had, her hair was in place, meticulously dressed. And then we started talking, and one curse word after another, just filthy, filthy language, and it colors how you view them. It does. Question number two. From where do the accidental slips come? Where do those come from? Somebody cuts you off in traffic, and before you think, something comes out of your mouth. You go, where did that come from? How did that happen? Jesus told us where it came from. Listen to him. Luke 6, 45. Listen to what he said. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. An evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. Look at the last sentence. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. So in other words, whatever is in here will come out here. Very simple. What is in your heart will come out on your lips. You may not think about it. 
It may slip, but it tells you what's in your heart. Cursing is the language of the heart. There's a connection. You see, when, whenever I hear someone curse, it does not tell me about their mouth. It tells me about their heart. Oh, pastor, I'm sorry. I, I need to clean up my language. No, you need to clean up your heart. Language isn't the problem. Cursing is not really a problem. It's a symptom. It's a symptom of another problem, which is the heart. So many times people, and they curse around me, they, oh, pastor, I'm so sorry, pardon my French. That's not French. I, I took French in college. That's not French. It is a language. It is a language, but it's not French. It's the language of your heart. So whatever is here will be here. It's a heart problem. Question number three, what about OMG? You hear it all the time. Every day you hear, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. You hear it all the time about everything. Is that wrong? I believe it is. I believe OMG is cursing. I believe it is taking God's name in vain. Let me tell you why. Leviticus 18, actually the entire book of Leviticus, it's kind of, it gets complicated for us. A lot of rules and regulations and laws, and sometimes we zone out, but but Leviticus is very simple. God is teaching his people to be the people of God. He's giving them regulations. Here's how you please me. And so the entire book of Leviticus is about how do you please God? How do you live as the people of God? And so he gets to chapter 18, and he's describing the worship of other gods, the worship of pagan gods. And he's talking about that. And in the middle of that context of that chapter, verse 21, he says, You shall not profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. And profane there meant taking, it prohibited God's people from taking his sacred name and transporting it into the realm of the secular. Sound familiar? Then you go to the New Testament. Matthew 12, 5 and Acts 24, 6 also says not to profane the name of the Lord. And the Greek word that's used there is the word bibelou, to profane. It means to cause something highly revered to become identified with the commonplace. God's name is, is holy. His name is revered, it's majestic, it's powerful. The Jews would not even utter that name with their lips. All through Scripture, God acted for His namesake to keep the name holy and pure and sterling. So when we bring it down and every circumstance of life say, oh my God, oh my God, about everything in life, we have taken the high and holy name of God and made it into this realm of the secular and made it everyday occurrence. 
Folks, I believe it's taking his name in vain. I believe it's wrong. I believe it's cursing. Judson Cornwell, many years ago, preacher, even before it was popular to say that phrase, Judson Cornwell said, don't pollute the vestiges of heaven with your words. Question number four. Does God really care about a word? Does God really care about a loose word or an idle word? I mean, Pastor, look, look at all the issues of the world. We have mass shootings. We had another one this week. We have mass shootings. We have genocide. We have starvation. We have God's people being brutally killed across the world. We have racism. We have threat of nuclear attack. Does God really care about one word I say in Garland, Texas? Really? Well, I'll let him answer that. Read what said Matthew 12. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. Second time he said that. And an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Wow. Wait, wait a second, wait a second. Is Jesus saying that on the day of judgment, when we stand before God, we're going to give an account for every word we say? Yeah. Every word. Every word you speak in Garland, Texas. That's why when Paul wrote to a young pastor named Titus, the island of Crete. He's giving advice. He said in chapter 2, verses 7 and 8, he said, speak words that will not condemn you. What did he mean by that? Speak words that when you stand before God, you'll not be condemned. Because by your words, you're justified, and by your words, you're condemned. Every idle word, every loose word, matters to God. Number five, fifth question. Do others really care about my curse words? Seriously? I mean, pastor, you're a Baptist preacher. I know you're against cursing. It's natural. This is a Baptist church. I I expected to hear every word you said. I expected to hear that in a Baptist church. I get it. But outside the walls of your Baptist church, people out there, they don't care whether I curse or not. Well, studies show that they do care. Let me give you some examples. Back in the 70s, whenever Terry Bradshaw was quarterbacking the Pittsburgh Steelers, um, every time they... The Steelers did not score on a possession when they had the ball. He went back to the bench, took his helmet off, and took his fist and pounded the, the bench and said the same curse word over and over and over. Bam, 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 bam. Same curse word over and over and over and over. The team owner, Art Rooney, came down after this happened several times and said, you got to stop that. Not having that. 
He stopped. Tiger Woods cursed incessantly on the golf course. PGA of America officials went to him and said, you'd have to tone it down. It mattered. Publication called One News Now quoted a Nielsen study. They tracked 400 of the top motion pictures made. And they found that the less profanity used, the more money the movie grossed. The Nielsen study found out movies with one-third less profanity made more money. People don't want to hear it over and over and over and over. Recent survey was not a Christian survey, just surveying Americans about different aspects of life, a cross-section. One question, are you bothered by profanity? This is not in church. It's just on sidewalks. Are you bothered by profanity? 57% of those responding said they're bothered greatly by it. 32% said they're bothered a little by it. So add those numbers together, 89% of Americans, not Christians, Americans, almost 9 out of 10 say, somebody else cursing bothers me a lot or bothers me a little. 9 out of 10. Do others care about your cursing? Maybe they care more than you think. Let her see what can I do about it. What can I do to avoid cursing? Pastor, you're right. I say words I shouldn't say. They come out. I, I, I don't want it to happen anymore. What do I do? Three things. Number one, check your heart. Check your heart. Remember, it's not a speech problem. It's a heart problem. So check your heart. Something is wrong there. I don't know what. Something's wrong. Either you don't know Christ and he's never changed your heart. Or you are a believer, but he does not have total control of your life. Because he's not got control of your mouth. But something's wrong in the heart. We can, we can have EKGs done and it tells us physically what's wrong with the heart. I just have to listen to you speak and I can tell spiritually what your heart's like. So if you find yourself cursing even accidentally and it's slipping out, the first place to look, find out what's wrong in your heart. Something is. John MacArthur said, cursing is out of character for the new life in Christ. Secondly, number two, focus on what's good. Focus on what is good. Your heart and your mouth follow what you feed your mind. Let me say that again. Your, your heart and your mouth follow what you feed your mind. If you're feeding your mind cursing and profanity and vulgarity, that's probably what's going to go in here. That's why Paul said, Philippians 4, 8 and 9, 
brothers, whatever things are honorable and just and pure and lovely and commendable, anything worthy of praise, think on these things. So, secondly, focus on what's good. And number three, pray. Ask God to help you. Heavenly Father, I, I, I don't need to be talking like this. Lord, I don't want the words to slip out. God, would you help me? I need you to help me. And he will. Pastor, is it this simple? Really? I mean, just these three. I mean, cleaning up your language is hard to do. Just these three, is it that simple and it works? Yes. You know how I know? It worked with me. I used to have a terribly vile language. Let me tell you my story. I went to church every Sunday. Didn't say any bad words. I knew you weren't supposed to. And one day as a teenager, I decided, you know, all my friends curse. They don't, they're pretty good guys. Not bad guys. It's not that bad. And so I got to looking, I got to thinking, okay, we're not supposed to take God's name in vain. So GD, that's a that's a curse word. But the others, the Bible doesn't say anything about the others. So I decided one day I'm going to start cursing. I was a teenager. I literally remember the day I started. We went out to play basketball. And we're having a game, and I missed a shot, and I just let out a string of four-letter words. And all my buddies went. <laughs> you see, they didn't go to church with me, and they cursed. But they knew I went, and they knew it was out of character for me. They didn't say anything, but they looked at me like, what was that? Donnie Pierce had the courage after the game to come up. He didn't go to church. He wasn't a believer. He came up, and he said, what was that all about? Oh, well, I can curse. And so I started. And then I noticed something. Those curse words began to take over my mind. And something would happen, be the first thing I thought. It took over my life. Oh, I continued to go to church every Sunday. I, 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 was, I tried not to curse at church. So I wouldn't on Sunday, but Monday through Saturday, I, my language was vile. I was exactly what James talked about. Blessing God on Sunday and cursing on Monday through Saturday. Exactly what I did. It took over my life. That's what I began to think. And I would curse and not even think about it. It would slip out, and then and sometimes I would curse and not even know it. I played basketball in high school, and, and, and on the court, if, if you curse, you get a technical foul. And, and almost every game, I'm getting a technical foul for cursing, and the coach called me over. you got to stop that. I couldn't. Cursed around my pastor. I was embarrassed. Then at the age of 19, 
I surrendered my life to Jesus totally. God, you've got all of me. You've got my heart. You've got my mouth. And that was the same time God had called me to preach, and I surrendered to vocational ministry. And I knew, I knew the moment I said, yes, Lord, I knew the number one area he needed to clean up was my language. I knew it. I said, God, I'll, I'll be a preacher, but you have to help me. I can't curse out my deacons. You've got to help me. You've got to help me. So I did three things. I looked, took a close look at my heart. And I said, Lord, I'm yours on Sunday. I'm not really interested the rest of the week. But I give every part of my heart to you, every corner of my heart, every aspect. Lord, I am totally yours. And then I began to focus on what is good. I stopped watching movies that had a lot of cursing in it. And I stopped trying to be around as best I could. You couldn't always do this. But stop being around those places where I knew there would be a lot of cursing happening. I just stopped being around them. I started focusing on what is good. And I prayed, God, you, you've got to help me. I want to stop. And a transformation happened. These three. Guess what? I quit. I still thought the words for a while. Something would happen, I'd think it, but I wouldn't say it. And then after a while, I didn't think it. And I hadn't thought the words or said the words since I was 19. Transformation happened because I checked my heart, focused on what was good, and I just asked God to help me. Change this, and he changed this. Folks, maybe this morning some of you are here and you were like me during my teen years. You attend church on Sunday, but you curse during the week. And you know you need to change. And today's the day it starts. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your power. Lord, a power that is so powerful that, that all I had to do was ask and you were there ready to help. You changed my heart. You cleaned up my language. And oh, dear Lord, I pray that you'll do it again today. Father, I want to pray for those people in their congregation today that they say OMG all the time. Lord, help them to not take your name and make your name secular. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.